0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum with my good buddy Rob Hollis. If you try to spell his name, you'll probably miss it. It's H-O-L-Y-S-Z.
1: Ooh, you got it right. Yeah. I bet,
0: I bet your other buddy Dax couldn't do that.
1: Uh he is afraid to pronounce it. Actually. Does he
0: just say Holly CZ?
1: Uh, he just avoids it altogether.
0: Yeah. We got a great guest today. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We started out with like, you know, a couple thousand, then ten thousand, and now the numbers are just they're huge. I love it. I love that people are listening in. I hope we're giving you a good show and uh, just trying to keep it real, Rob.
1: Yep, we try to keep it real, real.
0: And guess who we get real with today?
1: Uh, I see Topher Grace.
0: Yep, Topher Grace. That's uh, If you didn't know that, um, we find out on the podcast. I'll just give you one treat away. Christopher, he just took the Chris off and it's just Topher Grace and he'll explain why he did that and called himself Topher.
1: What was Topher in? I think he did, what, that 70s show? That 70s
0: show. He did the movie Traffic with my good friend Erica Christensen. He uh, he and I were good buddies back in the day. Not that we're not good buddies now, but he's got a family. He's more mature, and he does more mature things, I think, with his life. He's yep. in this new movie, Black Klansman, which is going to be a huge movie, a Spike Lee joint.
1: Yep. I think he plays David Duke.
0: David Duke. Oof. kind of Not a, a great guy. Not a great guy. Um, so we talked to him how he prepared for that, because he had to use some vulgar language and some racist language, and uh, there's a great story about this, about how he just didn't want to even say these words in the audition for Spike Lee, and I'll let you guys listen to it, but uh, this, is a, this is a great story, how how he won a karaoke contest at my house that I think Debbie Gibson and Tara Lipinski judged. This episode of Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum is brought to you by Hymns, not to be confused with Hymns at a church, Rob. Hymns, H-I-M-S. Are you aware of uh, what they do for men like myself and yourself,
1: I am very aware.
0: 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. You're 30.
1: Yep. And you're 49. This, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. (laughs) The thing is, when
0: you start to notice the hair loss, Rob, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair
1: you've lost. Yeah, you were bald for a while. Yeah,
0: I was on small was Kind of a look into But your I future. pretended to be bald. Like they shaved my head and uh, you know, but a lot of you know, it grew back thankfully, but you know, why not start before you start to lose your hair? And if you could do something about it before you lose it, wouldn't you
1: do that? I would. What was it like being bald? Is that something you're looking forward to or I mean,
0: bald is cool, but if you don't want to be bald, you don't have to. Do you want a bald spot to just pop up or you want to do something about it, Rob? Uh, do you just... want your hairline to recede or do you want to do something about it, Rob? I definitely don't want it. 4 that's 4 him connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. Save hours by going to dot com. Answer a few quick questions, doctors will review, prescribe you products, and that they are shipped directly to your door. is pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, if you order now, our listeners get a free trial month of hymns for just $5 while supplies last. See the website for full details. Um, that would so-
0: cost a lot of money if you went to a doctor or pharmacy.
1: And a lot of time. This is a lot easier, a lot cheaper. dot slash inside. That's
0: F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash inside.
1: dot com slash inside. Uh, my good friend Topher Grace. I hope you enjoy it.
0: It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Uh, There's no surprises here. We're talking about the Twilight Zone. That's the whole episode. Were you a big Twilight Zone fan? Oh, yeah. How many have you seen?
2: I've got those all those DVDs you've got over
0: there. Yeah, people say, why do you still have DVDs and Blu-rays? I just can't put them away. I can't throw them away. They have why? the extended stuff. Can you download all of the Twilight Zones now? Yeah, I think they have most of the seasons on, um, Rob, is it Netflix? Uh, I don't know. Oh, God, he doesn't know anything. Why, why did I start out with a question he doesn't know? Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you, first of all.
2: Thank you for having me. <laughs> no joke dude i think you have done it right i mean i without disclosing where you live for years you had this amazing house right you're always having fun like i won a karaoke competition in, in this room this room it where was, we're sitting right yeah, now yeah and just so everyone who's listening knows michael was in the competition
0: yeah i finished third second third
2: maybe i'm you, sure it was not first because i took first
0: and my friend jane won first place do you remember what you sang
2: yeah, because I thought <laughs> this guy—you were doing footloose and you had dance moves—and it wasn't fair. It was but in, a the finals, in the finals,
0: you sang something.
2: Yes, it was Who a home it? court advantage, and you had all these moves. And and look, you're a better singer than me. I'm not a really good singer. But I thought this has to be funny. It's the only way I can kind of like build an edge here. You were not only funny, and you can you can explain
0: this, but you were stoic. You didn't move much. You were passionate. <laughs> you right. sat on a stool. That's right. You're still mad about it is what I can hear in your voice. Yeah, I am because I felt like uh, there was a reason I didn't win. I honestly, you know. Yeah, there's a big reason you didn't win. Because you were better. Yeah, basically,
2: yeah. Uh, no, I I clinched it with, we had partners you had teamed us up with and we did A Whole New World, a whole new uh, world. from Aladdin, which already was, you know, a great um, duet. But then on top of it, uh, I was pointing out uh, Sites from the magic carpet, which I think That's that right. got me the win. Yeah, yeah, you were improvising. Yeah, I went off book, uh, but it was kind of with the movie. I was like, you know, look, the pyramids. It was just so earnest. What, how was that? How did that song go? Well, I, you don't want to do that. A little something like two, three, four. No, <laughs> a whole new world. That but wasn't I, it. Was it the, the the thing that really, if you want to do Disney really well, even though they don't do this in the movies, but you want to do it in a karaoke competition? is you have to speak um, the most earnest line. You and me. You know what I mean? Like when the music is going like softly. Yeah, exactly. That, I think that did it for me. Yeah. You but won. I remember you I really think you were angry when I won.
0: Yeah. You know what? Uh, did you remember who the judges were? <laughs>
2: I'm sure you do.
0: I think it was Debbie Gibson and Tara Lipinski. The is that figure true? skater. They were the judges <laughs> that night. Wow. And they chose you. They all had a crush on you too. I knew oh, I had stop. my uh Do you still have that trophy? Uh because I know there, my name was, was written on the, that
2: My name was written on the trophy. And, oh, was there a trophy? I, I really don't remember there being a trophy. All right. Well, I'm just glad now we're the
0: truth getting out there with this podcast. You also went somewhere with me, which was very special to me because you gave in. As mo- most people, when you say the word the words Gordon and Lightfoot in the same sentence, if you're not born before 1970, you might not want to. Oh, I,
2: I was one of those people before that night. Before that, you night? you kind of like. I might have heard his stuff on Seventy Show, right? So I knew who he was, but like, right. I was uh, not a huge fan. And you said we're going to a Gordon Lightfoot concert. Yeah, you game. I, I'm I'm pretty easy going. I'm down to. You are easy. Not only that, but you didn't. You, you drove to Anaheim with me. We had look. The main attraction was hanging out with you. That's but true. then, I mean, I, nothing could have prepared me uh, except for a Gordon Lightfoot Greatest Hits album <laughs> for what we were about to watch, <laughs> which we listened to on the way there. Yeah, i'm sure we i got you
0: like you know up to date on the gordon life of jams
2: yeah there was no like uh, here's something off the new album yeah it there was, was like, <laughs> he just went straight to the sundown and uh sundown you
0: better take yeah yeah it was uh
2: i mean what year was that that was two probably
0: 2003
2: four yeah and do you remember his moves i remember being like really out of my depth at that concert <laughs> i mean we i might have been by we were three row. or four decades the youngest person there yeah but it was great. It's so much better than going to I don't know whatever the to alternative Kanye, is. Uh, yeah or whoever. But you've always been like a shy person.
0: You've always <laughs> listen. You, you're a fun person. You're outgoing. You can improvise. You can you're entertaining. No, but a what good I noticed to me yeah. when I went to the '70s show back when I was filming a show called Zoe Duncan Jack and Jane, we filmed next door to you and we got canceled within a year. Do you remember? That's yeah, I, we I remember. First I don't
2: remember which one you were. I was Jack. You were Jack. Of oh, you, why should you remember that? Actually, no, I'll, I'll tell you why I remember it, because it was on the WB, and I, I really thought that was a good sitcom, and I think it was probably just on the wrong network or something, because the talent on that show was amazing. It was Selma Blair, David Moscow, um, Azura Sky. Every one of we those people a is a great actor, and, uh, I mean, present company excluded. But, like, <laughs> I, but I I honestly, I thought it was like maybe a little too hip for the room. Maybe, maybe. It was, it was
0: a fun show. What I'm saying is when I went to the 70s show... I know you're friends with everybody and you, but you were never like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't speak for myself, but I can't say you were very close with everybody. Like they were all, I remember them all going out and partying and you didn't, I remember hanging out with you and they all partied and we didn't.
2: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I never wanted to be an actor. You know, I have a weird story like that. I was found in a high school play, which I wasn't even supposed to do that play. I had an injury in tennis. So it was like a weird set of circumstances that I even got that. And so that was my first audition, if you can imagine, was for that 70s show. And then just to be thrust into working as an, I mean, I, I like wouldn't even do my homework in high school. And all of a sudden I was on this show where, I mean, and the work was hard, especially because I had no uh, experience acting. So I was very focused on that. I didn't really have a lot of time to endorse all that Hollywood stuff. And so, yeah, so I chose weirdos like you, Michael, to like go to, you know, cause it was more kind of safe in a way. I mean, it's still, you're talking 2003. That wasn't, it was five. I'd only been acting for five years at that right. point. So, uh, I'm really proud of the people that I hung out with back then. They were always very safe, cool people like yourself who you could have like a deep conversation with or go do something. We, you know, I'd go to like, universal studios like that was enough input Love for me it. i didn't go to like a hollywood nightclub I,
0: I, I did i had my moment of like going out to clubs every once in a while and i just always felt the same after coming home like why did i do why am i going out there are these are yeah. the people
2: but no, you i know, haven't done it but i mean you've never but, done it you never went clubbing no no i i certainly have but uh i have the same feeling you're having which i mean i certainly didn't i don't my fit in i feel like i don't fit in well yeah i felt more like like what is the objective and and uh who am I actually meeting after having gone to a bunch of these clubs? Like no one that was that interesting or, and you're private. You never hear bad things happening about Topher Grace. <laughs> well, I, you know, uh, man, I really should have brought my wife to this cause she could tell you all of the horrible things. I've You've got done some today. weird shit going on. No, no. She would just say, uh, I gotta take out the trash tonight's the night that, that the <laughs> what I haven't taken out the trash that's one that, thing is that I what I you're thinking do. about doing this interview? Oh God, I gotta you, take out the if trash. you miss if you miss the trash you know how it is here in the hills if you miss oh, you the, miss the day you're you're stuck guy, with you're a lot of trash dead. then you're behind the whole rest of the year yeah not know? good not good no I would say to, to answer your question I uh, was always really chill and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have thought I would be that way but the show that was so much nine to five work. I think a lot of people, even when they come in acting, if they're discovered somewhere, they do a movie and then they have a long time free before their next movie. It was like I hit the ground, like just running, doing 19. I mean, 19 doing that 70s show. And you
0: look at a character like that, which was great because the characters all pop. They all were very different from one another.
2: But you look back. Did you think I'm going to be a movie star? Without without question, no. (laughs) Without question, that's what I. I mean, it was obvious to me. No, I remember the director saying to me, "Like, hey, great take. You didn't face any of the cameras." I was like, during the pilot, I was like, "Ooh, you know, all right, let's do another take." So, like, no, I wasn't thinking about films. I was thinking, like, can I survive? I, I mean, it's different now, network television, but at the time, it was like we shot the pilot. I'd never acted before. That went out to 11 million people. I mean, like it's still circulating. I didn't know this. I felt like
0: you were seasons. We never really got into these conversations, but <laughs> all I knew is from like you—you you were from Connecticut or New York, and you went to Connecticut. Uh, yeah. And I knew a couple of things, like your mom worked school. Yeah, she
2: works yeah. at school. Yeah, Michael,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, and and your dad, what was a uh, uh,
2: doctor? No, uh, but Ian, that was a good guess. Uh, what you, was know, he? you almost had—you had you, you got, you got fifty. One. What was he? Two. He uh, works in Brand Identity, but he was in advertising. Yeah, I was you know. wrong. He's a businessman in New York is probably all you knew at the time. Right. But uh, I think very few people have had as much of a – like on Monday, I wasn't an actor, and on Tuesday, I was an actor working in Hollywood. You know, it was within a period of like three months, wow. I was on the air. You had a good head on your shoulders because it, – it, It's because of them, by the way. It's because of my is, is it really? Yeah. Do you – see,
0: because – you're a product of your own environment. I've talked about this. I mean, my, my parents are a uh, mess. You could look at me and see why I'm a little messy. Well, um, I don't know about that, but I know. I'm a little messy. I'm, I'm definitely messy. I have my issues. I have my problems. But I'm not saying I just look at you as someone who says, you know, he's got it together. He's focused. He's this. But I didn't know about how you started. Seventy show was really the first thing. So take me back to growing up in, in you know Connecticut and – how the parents were and how the how that started, how the acting started. I and mean, they were good parents. They were just the, were you disciplined? Were First you a let trouble? me say your
2: parents did a fantastic job. You, you were such that. a nice guy. You're the kind of guy that I mean, you know, now you're, you know, ten, fifteen years older than me. Thank you. But like No, no, I'm not
0: ten or fifteen
2: years older <laughs> or 20, than twenty, whatever. But, what? but, but you you're the kind of guy that when you know, I met everyone who was in town at that time and your parents did such a wonderful job. However you got there, you're such a great guy, and you were so lovely to— Would you believe me if I just said I was a chameleon
0: and I can sort of adapt? Like, I loved hanging out with you, but I could also go, uh, you know, hang out uh, and do whatever. I, You know, people have different lives where I could just sort of adjust. They never really fit in in high school, so I sort of adjusted to No, people. no, I don't think so. You don't think no, so? No, because you wouldn't have hung out with me. I would have been too boring for you. Yeah, well, I didn't think you were boring. I thought you were funny.
2: Right. Well, for most people, I am too boring, and uh, they're probably right. But I, I think, no, You look, you're having a karaoke competition in your house. Which you're not, a part of. How yeah, boring but that's is not that? Normal? Like, you want it. How boring is that? But if you're really trying to do the thing that, whatever the objective is for most, most of these jerks in young Hollywood, then, you know, yeah, you're like out of the club or you're doing uh, hard drugs. Or,
0: I can't do it. I can't. I have to be in bed before midnight now. <laughs> I just fall apart. I, I, I the next day is ruined. <laughs> it's ruined if I don't get to bed at a decent hour.
2: I don't even know. I mean, I, we have a kid now. So Are you a like, good sleeper? I'll never know. Uh, again, <laughs> you, you, last again, seven months, never. no, uh, because of this little bundle of
0: joy. Really? Like you? You rotate like the wife two hours, then you like each night, or do you choose a
2: night? How does yeah, it uh, you just you get on a new time zone. It's like, you know, it's bad, Michael. You'll get this as an actor when you're like. Uh, well, I hope I get a movie and it's on nights and I can get some sleep. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like working nights, I would have nights more time are the worst. But kind of Yeah, but this is like, yeah, it's more intense. But anyway, your folks did a great <laughs> I can job. See your when eyes. your folks are listening to the show, they did a fantastic
0: well, talk job. to me about this. Talk to me about growing up and what it was like with your parents and
2: you know if, what kind of kid you were. Were you were you uh, you were a smart kid? I uh, uh, no, I I was uh, I was really undecided as to what I wanted to do. I was in a really athletic town. Like the town was really into sports and I wasn't like, I liked being in the plays, but I didn't know if that was, could really be a job. All I knew was there were businessmen like my father. Uh, so, you know, I didn't know any artists growing up. I I didn't really think it was kind of possible. And from what I knew of it, it was too hard. So I was really lucky that, um, I went to this boarding school went to two boarding schools, actually. But the second one I went to, the woman, uh, the, she's now a woman, but the girl who did the sets, her parents, uh, they were the head writers on SNL. So they created Wayne's World, and they wrote Wayne's World. Come on. They wrote Tommy Boy. And then they had just written and won the Golden Globe for uh, Third Rock from the Sun, and which was on at the same time, Zoe, Duncan, Jack and Jane. <laughs>
0: right, thank and you. And Seventy
2: Show were on at uh, this studio over here. And... They saw me in the play and kind of came up to me. I mean, this is really something I had only had little parts in the plays. And then I sprained my ankle in tennis. I was like, I'll do the play because all the girls are doing it. And then, you know, I really, I I love doing it, but I didn't have any, I mean, look, look, when you're doing a bad play in a boarding school in New Hampshire, you're not like, how can I kind of transition into Hollywood? (laughs) But these people came up to me and I knew what they did, certainly. And uh, they said, like, hey, can we call you when you're going to USC? Because I'd gotten into USC out here. Right. What, you left early? Yeah, but they. I said, like, uh, yeah, babe, like, Hollywood, like, let's do lunch. Like, have your agent, call my agent. Like, I, I didn't even, I thought they meant to be their assistant or something. I had no idea. But I guess that was the beginning of the development season. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, because it For was box. the year before. And then they called me when I was at USC and said, I mean, it's so embarrassing. I remember this woman, this Bonnie Turner, who, yeah, who, you know, Bonnie and Terry Turner, who wrote some of the great things of that time that I was a huge fan of. She called me at college; it was a landline at the time, and she said, uh, "Hey, it's Bonnie." And I said, like, all right, <laughs> like Bonnie, Bonnie, who? You know, <laughs> Bonnie lives over the ocean." <laughs> and she said, "Like, where do I know you from?" At USC, she said, "No, no, Lindsay's mom." And I was like oh okay alright like yeah why like, is she calling me yeah and she said we're doing a sitcom I guess Boogie Nights had just came out so it's like Boogie Nights meets The Graduate that's what she said which is kind of like actually a good pitch for that 70s show how old are you at this point I was probably 18 and I said uh, I mean okay. okay like best of luck with that <laughs> I mean what what do you you know it was like why are you I calling me for it? I hadn't even acted since that play I hadn't acted in what college what was the play that was a funny thing happened on the other forum, right? But it was the the school I went to. It's a wonderful school. They were not. They didn't have a big drama program, so they only did plays that like didn't have a lot of scenery. So we did like Our Town and Godspell, and like, right, right, right. These are the ones I had kind of smaller roles in. And uh, she said, "No, we want you to come read for it." And I had lunch with Tom Warner of uh, Carsey Warner. Oh, Tom. A couple uh, like a year or two ago, and he kind of revealed to me that. <laughs> this is so true i'm sure but they were like look we're bringing in this kid from my daughter's high school who's in la it's not going to be the guy who's on the show i mean he's not even an actor that's
0: what they were saying of course but
2: we wanted to be someone like this kid we just can't find someone like him and they said you have to bring your picture and resume i said like okay so i brought like a like a picture of me and my friends at six flags and like you the resume, have a of I didn't know what they even meant. Like a headshot, I didn't know what that. And they said bring a. Um, the resume said like Dunkin' Donuts and Suncoast Video and all these places I'd worked. You know?
0: You're a liar.
2: No, and you're that, a liar.
0: You said Dunkin' Donuts. This is my resume.
2: But I will tell you the one thing that I got when I got there was that all these kids were too cool. They were like I'd read the sides. And I knew like this, You weren't that cool you were well this thinking, character of Eric cool. was not a very cool guy and I could hear these kids through the wall or when they were rehearsing outside the room they were kind of like you know Donna I'm such a dork you know and they had uh, so much gel in their hair yeah. and they were such they were good looking and some of them I knew from like Saved by the bell the new class or whatever and I was like oh man these kids are all cool like I'll show them what a like how a real That's, loser. What a real loser. <laughs> yeah, it it does sounds and like. I went in there and I mean they were like, "Oh god, this kid is such a loser," <laughs> and I uh, got it.
0: Yeah. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore, and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I. I found one. You and you did it. You told I me I got found, Rocket Money.
2: Like I I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming de- uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget. After this trial period, it kicks in and they're charging you 10 bucks a month. It is embarrassing. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra. Uh, Between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. so important if you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here have been using it for a while, and I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session, of course, yeah, yeah, it's just it's 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 like I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. Do you have
2: an agent or do you have to get an agent to negotiate? No, that's, you know, I went to two or three at just Carsey Warner, which is the production company. Where they they had me come like a bunch of times to like, are we doing this? Like, are we actually sending this kid who's never acted to network on this thing? And uh, I didn't know. I thought you just had to come and do a bunch of callback. It might have been more. It might have been like five or six times. I remember I took the bus from USC because I didn't have a car. Were you stressed? Stressed. It's a two hour bus ride and you have to change over on the 101 freeway.
0: They couldn't pay for these things.
2: I, didn't, I mean, they didn't know I was going to get it. I didn't know I was going to get it. So I started taking a cab. And they was, thought you had a car. I don't know what they – I mean, I certainly didn't – Tell them so you emb- were taking the bus. I mean, it's so embarrassing at USC. Everyone has a car. Even these kids, all the kids have a car. So I started taking cabs, which were like $50 oh each way. And I God. thought, I better get this. I am $300 in the hole. <laughs> like, it, it. you know, it made up for it. I remember they said, we're going to go over to Fox. You know, we're, you're, we want to test you. I said, okay, cool. I said, you need an agent. And I went and met with a, like an agent or two, and they wanted me to sign a contract. I said, this just doesn't feel right. I mean, I don't know anything about the industry. They and didn't I do not even wanna... want to go through an agent? They're just like, oh, he doesn't have one. Let's just sign here. No, no. The agents wanted me to sign a contract. Oh, okay. Like for three years or something.
0: Three years? Usually it's seven. It six. was...
2: No, no, no. This is just with the agent, not with the show. Oh. <laughs> so like, oh I was clearly God. visiting agents who were... Saw how green I was that they could – I mean I've never signed a contract with an agency my whole life. Did you know what I mean? Like, I don't I, think anybody
0: has. You just have well, an
2: agreement and then when they stop doing their job, you let them go if or you're they are you. If you're that green, then they're like, hey, sign this so you yeah, can't fire us. i will take advantage. So I knew that was wrong and I kind of called uh, the Turners who I knew and I said, I, I, I can't do this because it just feels like I'm out of my depth. And they said, we'll lend you our lawyer. So the lawyer – Then uh, made me sign a six-year contract or, you know, negotiate a six-year contract. And look, by the way, it was the worst deal ever. I should, I was not deserving of getting any money. It never worked. So they were like, how
0: little can we pay this guy?
2: So if you can imagine, I did the first season of that show without an agent or anyone. Like, Well, that's good. Without an agent, you probably, at least it's not 10% more gone. 10% of the $5 I was making each week. But you didn't care. You were like, I could pay for the taxi. I paid back the taxi within one episode. I bought a taxi.
0: (laughs) I have a taxi still in my... my
2: (laughs) It's so funny. I haven't talked about this in years. You know, it's 20 years ago right now. Uh, What, it was 1998, and this is, you know, 2018, and I will never remember a year. I mean, we just had our daughter this year, but I would never remember something as in detail as that year because it was so many things changed for me. It was like i had never worked and then i was working i was kind of like a kid and all of a sudden i was like in an adult world you didn't
0: start on a crappy show you went right to a great show that made a lot of money i did so many crappy shows i still do them i you know i had one big hit and you're lucky to have one big hit you're lucky to be just working in this industry but for someone to be 18 and then 19 being on a hit show what was it like to be just in the room in the first table read when you met everybody and there's ashton kutcher he was a star by then right No, Ashton had never acted before. He hadn't? So you guys, he was a big
2: model. He was a big model. He was a big model. I'd seen him on a billboard. In his underwear? uh, Yeah. How'd he look? Uh, Fantastic. Good. And uh, who else did I see? Wilmer had like, couldn't even speak English. Is that true? I mean, he he was, it was pretty, he learned a lot that first season, like really quickly. He had just come over, I mean, if you think my experience was crazy. I mean, imagine he'd just come over from Venezuela and I think he did one Pac Bell commercial, and then someone said, here's that 70s show. I mean, like, what an amazing experience for him. The two who had worked were Danny and Mila, and uh, and Laura hadn't worked. She was a mom. I mean, it was, you know, I look, I hesitate to, like, let this whole thing become about, like, my nostalgia for that period of time. And now I love it. It's funny, because it is People in itself a nostalgic show, right? Yeah. Like, but... Every first experience is great, right? Like everyone, your first kiss is like so important and the first time, whatever, you're always kind of chasing the dragon of the first things in life that you, there's no sweeter firsts than like that whole first year because it was, I mean, the whole experience was wonderful, but it was like, we were all new. We were very close in age to our characters. We actually grew further away from the age of our characters because they kind of had to keep it in the seventies. But like we were together as a group, and then doing shows about what this group is doing together and then some of those things were happening in our real life and it was like i mean to me i look back on it like boyhood you know that you know that movie boyhood yeah, i love boyhood it's the same Richard thing Rick for me letter. it's still it's like 8 years of my life chronicled in a row it's just yeah. done on a sitcom but it's that same kind of like i wasn't a man before and then you know by the end of it i felt like i was it was just what an amazing experience and you know and the, and I knew before all those kids had all that success. I just knew I was like these. Every one of them is so talented. You know, it's funny.
0: Is like you know, you could have come here today, and there's a lot of actors who were like, you know, let's talk about today. I'm doing because you're doing so much, and people are doing some. But I find it comforting and nice that you like to reminisce and you like to think of like the old days and how it started. And and because people probably talk about all the time, but that's what the first thing you did. So you, a lot of people might
2: want to just back off and say, ah, you know, let's not talk about oh, yeah, that. When people say, what's your favorite role? I say, well, it can never be anything but Eric Foreman. I mean, you know, I think people have a fear that they might always be identified with that role, but I, I mean, to, to start in just virgin snow like that and to the, you know the the first thing I ever did is still airing. It feels so. Uh, that's how it should be for every actor. You
0: cherish that that time period.
2: Yeah, I do you really still do. get
0: residuals for that.
2: Well, that's why I cherish it. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't get small little residuals anymore. Oh yeah, those sitcoms—they just go. Well, forever. the
2: sitcoms can kind of run longer. I think they're not as. Uh, you don't have to have seen the episode before or the episode after. Kind of, you know.
0: Rob, did you watch the '70s show? Yeah, I've seen. Did you like it? Yeah,
2: I loved it when I was growing up. Okay, that's a little insulting how old are you rob i'm 29 you're 29 that's your 28 nope yeah there's nothing better than when someone says like man
0: i grew up on that show yeah like, oh man that's man. what everybody says to me it's like oh my god i had the biggest crush on lex Luthor when i was 12 i'm like gross yeah walk me through lex Luthor, man yeah no i don't want to walk you through
2: anything where do we this meet is, i'm inside we met you at,
0: we met i think at... we met when i was doing zoe uh,
2: yeah we, okay we
0: met there over. but we started
2: hanging after tom's wedding tom arnold Tom Arnold, Tom, Tom Welling, Welling. <laughs> Tom Welling.
0: Well, Tom, i could have been Tom because
2: Tom. I miss Tom
0: Arnold. Tom's right. been married five times. I'm his son's godfather, but Tom Welling. We went to his wedding in uh Massachusetts, uh yeah, like Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard,
2: and I remember thinking you were hilarious, and and there there was this whole other side of you. I knew you more as like Lex Luther, and I thought like,
0: <laughs> that's oh my God. Well,
2: I love that show, and like. I'll tell you a great Tom. People are so
0: disappointed. By the way, I think when they meet me, when they think, I I even see it when I go to signings or whatever. It's not that they're disappointed, but they're like, "Oh my God, he's not cool at all. He's not rich. He's not a They just, I think that that's what they think. They want me to be this like really smart guy.
2: Well, you you, well you played a guy very different from you. I think when you play someone who's or you're most famous for someone who's very similar to you, then you know people whatever identify with you more. But I'm going to tell you my Tom Welling story. This is before that took place his fiance at the time and i guess i met tom through ashton because they had met on a Abercrombie and Fitch shoot of course we were never there i'm not good looking enough to be and right. ashton was dating january jones who oh, he yeah. had met on that same Abercrombie and Fitch shoot and tom was dating his fiance who was also a model so they'd all met you know i'm the best looking person in the universe pageant whatever, shoot, yeah. that they went to and they said hey come I mean, and all a bunch of sweet people they were all great and they say hey come get lunch with us and we went to some mexican restaurant and i remember sitting in that booth with these four adonises and being what was that song in schoolhouse rock that was like one of these things is not like the other yep and i and like when the waiter came he didn't even take my order it was like I thought I, you were I, another yeah, waiter. No, he didn't know what was going on. And I didn't even blame him. I was like, I get it, I get it. I get it. It was like... They're you know, so good looking. Oh, such a great looking group of people. I remember being at that lunch being like, I guess I'm in Hollywood now.
0: I have a theory about this. I don't think I'm ugly. I don't think I'm, you know... I, these guys are... Why guys, don't you think No, that? no, listen. These guys, this isn't about me. This is about them. They are so good looking. But here's my theory about beautiful people. When you're that beautiful... As you get older, any nuance in your look or wrinkle or age or anything different, anything starts to deteriorate on you, people notice it right away with average looking people or a little above average or below average no you wow you look good you look great but when you're beautiful you could only go downhill
2: ashton's not going to get better looking with age are you kidding me he's better looking now
1: yeah I disagree. he still looks great show me a picture of him yeah Bring it up. It was, you're we're backing you just, me up yeah he, he came on dax's podcast he a is a good ago. looking
0: guy but like you know i'm no, telling dude, he's you he's a great looking you guy think he's going to be just as good
1: looking when he's 60 i think he looks better than when we
2: were doing the show so my theory is wrong well, I mean... You look you're... the same.
0: You're a good-looking guy. <laughs> but you look the same? <laughs> no, I think... Uh, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I'm... I'm just saying they notice it. People notice things differently. Look, Michael, they love your personality. That's what They've I've always been change. told. Yeah. I don't know if that's true anymore. Um, so your parents, were they were they always supportive with your acting? It, it, it seems like you're, they, they... I don't know if it's something they thought, hey, this is what I want my son to go into. Uh,
2: no, they had no idea they weren't unsupportive either when i remember they when i got 70 show my dad ordered variety <laughs> and it came to his house like like 8 days late and in like bundles of like 5 which you know makes no sense but uh, <laughs> they would read it and call up and say like i remember my mom would say "Christopher uh, there's a new Jurassic Park they're filming Jurassic Park 3" <laughs> I'd say, well, I would love to I'm sure they'll let me know if there's a role for me. Like but they really tried, even though they didn't come up in that I don't think they knew an actor when I was growing up.
0: Why do parents do that? Why do people do this? Listen, people, why do you come up and say things like, Why aren't you in the uh the new private Ryan movie? Yeah, you just didn't want to do it, why, huh, Michael? Why don't you want to go, you know what? I just I, I was busy. Uh you know, I I, just, I told
2: Spielberg, fuck off. I
0: need some me time <laughs> I mean my mother is still – I don't tell her anything these days because I remember when Saving Private Ryan came out and I tested for it. I remember <laughs> – I think
2: – I didn't know this was a personal
0: – No, right? but it was eight years
2: later. She'd say, hey, what's going on with the Ryan Oh, movie? yeah. I learned really quickly when don't I was auditioning him. to not tell them anything Stop that it, I was – right? Like, by the way, I will tell you. I told you every other time I got a role. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm going like, to tell you. Oh, wh- I just got like the lead in the new Spielberg film. Yeah.
0: He started making money here. Season three, probably, in, in Hollywood, you renegotiate after season two's over, three's over, and you start talking. But did you guys go in as a group saying, hey, we want to do this together, and, and or separate negotiations? You know what
2: happened on that was Ashton and I didn't renegotiate. And we, we never talked about it. We just didn't. And, you know, we are doing a lot of things during the summers, too. So it was like, you know, and our focus you know, it, it's great. You have this summer hiatus where you can kind of go do a movie and then you come back and you're on the show that you love. So it was like a great time. But, uh, and it's an age where you don't really, you know, you shouldn't really need a lot of money. And then, um, Todd, are you
0: just brave?
2: Well, God, are you brave? You guys, <sighs> let me tell you what, it was, it was the stupidity of, we just assume the show would be a hit forever. Like, and, and that really is stupidity because the odds are, even if it's doing well, something bad can happen to the network or whatever. But we really loved what we were doing, and I, I I remember yeah around season three or four I was like God this is such a well oiled machine. So what happened was I think between the season of the fifth and sixth year, I remember Ashton was doing Punked, and he uh, has started dating to me. And then he did that movie. Where's my car? That was earlier. That whatever. was like where. Yeah. But it was every you know I was on uh... Traffic. Have you done Traffic? At oh, that I had point? done Traffic. I, I think I was on the In Good Company set or whatever. right but right. I remember getting a call where they said some of the other cast members had signed on to do a seventh year, and we hadn't. We only had to do the six years, and uh, and they called and said, uh, you know, Ashton's going to do it. And I was like, you know, I want to do an extra year. Like six would have been too short, kind of. And so I said to my <laughs> to my agent, I just said, I'll take whatever they're giving Ashton, <laughs> and it was that was it. But hang on, did they retroactively pay you? Which
0: means you know what it means, but I just learned what it means through negotiations. But Rob
1: retroactive payment yeah, means pay you in past what you should have been making for that rate. thank you i like to think of what we got as being retroactive but you
2: can think about however you want it was just the last two seasons that ash and i did at a different rate We're adjusted yeah
0: and it just sounds to me like i if i were the network i would have said hey you all renegotiate for a seventh season or no one's getting an increase
2: then you know you it's put funny. the pressure on the people on friends i guess had had a lot of experience in the business and they all banded together and and they were very powerful that way our thing was just so much more hodgepodge i don't think we ever thought about it it was uh, not like at least on my part it wasn't like uh, strategic it was just like yeah i i would do another season like at that after that other after that next season we did the head writers that were on the show left and kind of went like this this might not be good for other reasons you know right uh but it was it was like uh really easy i remember putting a lot of sweat into thinking about you know you hear from a friend's cast about the, the kind of the tactics they used and it was pretty easy there's I, no I was, tactics
0: uh, whatever ashton
2: has i'll have well sure i mean he was crushing it and uh and and uh, and they
0: had already paid the others yeah
2: so <laughs> Well, any a little advice for up-and-coming actors <laughs> who have zero experience, which I had at the time. In season two, they'll kind of say, you know, they're, season seven, sell it to us now. Like, we own you for six seasons, or we, or we own you for seven seasons, sell us season eight. Right. And you go, and we'll start paying you now for it. And you go, what a great deal. We might not even make it to seven seasons. But, you know, I'd been lucky. Uh, when I did Traffic, Steven Soderbergh, he told me that whole thing with Clooney on ER. Cause they were very close. I think they had a production company or something. And, he, and I had never heard that before is Clooney didn't even sign on for the extra year. He just knew not to sell a sixth year. Cause he'd be a movie star by that time. And so he didn't have to do like this extra year of VR. He got to leave and go do, you know, Steven Soderbergh films. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, when you first, did you, did you think I have a chance at working with Steven Soderbergh? Did I have, did I have a chance at this movie? Try Because that was, that was a big shot. You know, that really changed your life in a lot of ways. That was the
2: first movie set I'd ever been on. That was
0: it. And coming off the 70s show, they're playing. He's this funny, talented, goofy kid, though.
2: Right? Soderbergh was not aware of 70s show. It was like, I think I'd done a season of 70s. I was in the second season, and I just went to read for it. And that was it. But I I kind of said, like, is he going to care that I'm a sitcom? And they said, like, kind of, what sitcom? And I said, oh, never mind. (laughs) And then by the time he figured out I was in a sitcom, I, whatever it was such a different role remember i kind of had like a shaved head and it blew my mind
0: like watching <laughs> you really you to say man no
2: but i remember watching you go oh
0: my god good this guy's an actor you know
2: what's so funny dude at the time i went to the golden globes with um eric christensen, christensen good friend she lives right around the corner from me who's the and best you. man who's the best, best. and we had had such i mean she was like 17 when we made that movie and and I people were coming up to her and say, "Congratulations, you're so great." And no one recognized me. They all thought I was the guy from the seventies because I let my hair grow back out for the seventies. And I remember thinking, oh, "No one's going to know I'm the same person," and being really bummed out about it. And only like a couple of years later, I was like, "Oh, that's a great thing to like right be able to be in a totally different type of art kind of." Um, but at the time, I was so bummed because I thought oh, I don't get any credit or whatever. But then I thought, you know, later I went, uh, Oh, it's great. It allows me to do a totally different kind of thing.
0: Well, you always I mean, obviously, you, you seem grounded, you seem like you know who you are, you seem like you but I gotta think I gotta I don't hope I think. Is there any sort of do you get any sort of anxiety? Have you ever had issues with like, I can't sleep? I'm too stressed. I'm taking things too seriously. I don't meditate. I don't. I'm going too fast. My mind's moving. I'm falling apart here inside and nobody knows it. Have you ever been like that?
2: Uh, you know, I, I hate to say no because it sounds like I'm some kind no, of asshole. No, it's honest. It. Well, certainly I've had different chapters of really questioning myself. More, You know, for me, it's been more about personal life stuff. I'm so happily married and I'm so happy to now be a dad. And to me, it was kind of like... Look, all my actor friends hate when I tell the story about, you know, my first show was Show, The First Film I Did Was Traffic. Um, And I feel like I've worked really hard to try to earn it in retrospect. But I was very, very lucky how that happened. And for me, before I even was in it, I could tell it's dangerous to go to Hollywood. Just socially... That's why I was using the word safe in terms of hanging out with you. That's yeah. kind of
0: well. Talk to me about that more. It's kind talk of a loser. About, term. Talk to me about you. You were worried about going to how you already had this amazing hindsight, like you you just or intuition or whatever it is that where you were going, you can't was it was it that you can't take it seriously? Or you can't take not take it seriously, but you can't. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah.
2: What was the approach? Well, we've all seen the movies. I remember I saw Boogie Nights the year before I started Seven Show, and that's actually a great Hollywood, even though it's about the porn industry, it's the same trajectory as any of these Hollywood movies, which is Christmas in July when you first start, and then there's always an inevitable valley, and then people get into some weird stuff. I mean, how many movies have we seen about Hollywood where, you know, someone falls in with the wrong crowd or whatever? But how many people actually pay attention <laughs> because they're going to
0: Hollywood <laughs> and go, oh, this could happen to me? Or do you get out – because the mentality would be also, hey, I'm a kid from Indiana. Uh, I'm sort of a loser growing up. I don't know what's going to happen and I have an opportunity and I go out. I'm going to have a blast. Look at me. I'm in Hollywood and I'm going to the beach and I'm going to party. Well, you and I, we,
2: look, we know all those people. I mean the sad thing is being older now, we know the whole story, right? The the beginning of the story is so easy to watch. It's like young, beautiful people arrive in Hollywood every day, right? The person from every high school who everyone said, you should be a movie star. They, like, get their train ticket and they come out here. And, I mean, tell me if you agree with this, too. I was thinking about this the other day. I think that the beginning of my experience, there was a much bigger class out here. Like, whatever class we what was our freshman year class, don't you feel like it was, like, a thousand people and now it's down to, like, a hundred well, explain more. Elaborate.
1: Well, whatever the group in terms of, of people... Like,
2: it seems like there were a lot more people, announced
0: that there's nobody new, in a way? There's no, it's like, more...
2: Okay, if we're the class of 98, right. freshman class of 98, right. I feel like that class has really dwindled. Yes. And, and I'm sure that's true of every single class that comes through. It's just True, your, very true. And I think it's a combination of... It's hard. Some people aren't good at it. Some people are great at it, but can't... Uh, adapt. Adapt. Some people make really bad decisions. Yeah, but I just knew everything – every Hollywood story I'd ever seen – oh, you know what was on that time, around that time? was Behind the Music, which wasn't about Hollywood. Yeah, on VH1. But every single Behind the Music was the same. It was like, you know, like everything was going so great. We were (laughs) ripping up the charts, and then I met my little friend, Cocaine. And then it's just like a spiral downhill. And just – I just knew like – you know it's a seedy place and you know look it's it's like it's like we were talking about it's really about your looks and it's really about rejection and you know it's all the worst stuff about high school but they've uh corporatized it out here
0: yeah but it seems like you matured you matured at a young age like you you had good parenting You kind of took everything in stride. You were like, this is what I'm doing. But you had a good head on your shoulders. You didn't, you didn't, like, like you said, you didn't renegotiate right away. You said, you know, I'm going to do that. You kind of just, it seems like you were level headed at a young age
2: where people are always trying to find that. It's really my folks, man. Like they, they still are living in the house that I was born in. So like. Have they asked you for money? No, no. said so, well. See, you laugh at that, but then you... oh, wait, wait. I shouldn't laugh. I <laughs> yeah, at... shouldn't laugh. Just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm only kidding. laughing at Pat and John <laughs> no, Grace. No. I'm not laughing at anyone else. I know they uh, they are like the most wonderful people, and probably in any industry. I was God. It's too bad they probably won't hear this podcast, but they should. You know, I remember calling them a lot at the beginning and kind of asking their advice. I mean, they didn't know we were just trying to figure it out on the phone. But uh, also, they had a house that I could go home to whenever it got too hard. It's really bad to complain about fame. Like, it's no one wants to hear anyone complain about fame, but it is really tough, especially when you're like 22 or something. And so, to be able to go home to my childhood house and have nothing have really changed, you know, I like, I went to do a movie about eight years ago in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a couple towns over from where I grew up, and I slept in my bunk bed that summer. I mean, my mom would wake me up. This is like a De Niro movie. My mom would wake me up <laughs> say, like, oh hey, the is shuttle a... is here for, you know, and I'd get in the shuttle and then go the work with De Niro. I know. It was so but good for wonderful. You. Yeah. That shows you that, you know. But I'm spoiled in that sense. Like, you know, it's not up to you who your parents are. You're and, not,
0: uh, it's not. It's not. It's, it's yeah, it's crazy how that works. Rob, you had good parents?
1: Yeah, I have the same situation. <laughs> my parents still have the home oh, I grew wow. up in. And Chicago. It is comforting knowing that. I mean, I'm married with a kid, but if I needed to go home, there's yep. kind of that you safety net, there,
2: always there. And not everyone has this, and it's—I mean, I mean i say the majority of people don't. And I, I'm just very, very lucky. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately since we had our daughter, where I'm like, oh, like I gotta make sure that I give that to her, that feeling. You, Do you know? put
0: a lot of pressure on yourself, like I gotta step up, I gotta be the best dad, I gotta be as good as my dad. I, I guy raised my voice there, I shouldn't have done that. I should, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get mad
2: at yourself like uh, that was a bad choice? Well, she's at the age where she doesn't understand me cursing. But I'm like, how is this going to stop? Like I knocked over a plate the other day and it broke. I was like, fuck. And then I was like, oh, like when does that stop? Because I don't feel like I I think like, oop, shouldn't say fuck. Like because it's an immediate reaction. But uh, I got to,
0: yeah, all those things. Is it weird that that my immediate reaction would be like, how long can I say fuck before she knows to say it? That is exactly what I'm thinking. Right? You got well, another I I, probably about six more months. Yeah, a little cushion. Yeah. How long? A year, year and a half before they can start comprehending? We, we
1: still swear in front of Calvin a little bit. You better start, you know,
0: knock that shit off. How old is he?
1: He's 15, 16 months. All right. Yeah. I mean, he's starting to talk, so we know it's the end is near for that kind now, of talk. Oh,
2: can you raise a kid swearing?
0: Uh, I mean, my parents raised me. My dad was like Jack Nicholson sometimes uh, week 13 of The Shining, and he'd be like, what the fuck you know yeah. my mother was like <laughs> shut up mark just help him with his algebra i shouldn't even be an algebra he's an idiot you know i mean i it was a lot of dysfunction but it was it was you know i make fun of it now i'm I'm good now don't i look good
2: yeah aren't fine. i good yeah far? yeah you're fine you're fine you're fine <laughs> well
1: it's when they start going to school and start using it that yeah you have to be concerned
0: they won't by the way um what's his name her name mabel what's a sweet name mabel grace mabel gray oh, I always wanted to name my kid Grace. Well, you, maybe you Grace Mabel. Grace.
2: What do you mean? Well, you can't. You can't steal my name. That's no. My name. No, you're, you're, that's your last we'll call name. Call Grace Mabel.
0: How did they get? People ask you all this time. Was it one day you just saw Topher? Topher's original Christopher. It's probably taken, right? Is that what you're going to say Christopher Grace was taken?
2: No. This started when I first went to boarding school. I went to boarding school in eighth grade, so uh, that's young. Were for you, Why did you go
0: to boarding school?
2: I grew up in a really myopic town, and uh, I went to camp, and I met kids that were, like, a little bit different from me, and I was like, man, these kids are way cooler, in my opinion. What were their names? <laughs> they had, uh... Even from instead of Steven? <laughs> they, they had, uh, Michael? Yeah, yeah. No, to be honest, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on. No, for sure. It was like, no, I was growing up in town that didn't have a lot of diversity, and, and then I kind of said, hey, I want to... You know, I want to go to boarding school and my parents weren't thrilled, but God bless them, they sent me. And uh and and I loved it. Uh but the first day of school I'd been such a loser in middle school living at home. Chris Grace. That was my name, because I'd introduced myself as Christopher. Christopher Grace. My mom's kind of a uh Patricia trapped in a pat, so she really pushed it on me. You know, your name's Christopher. And I'd say, Hi, my name's Christopher, and people would say, Oh, hi, Chris. And I'd be like, tofer. And that's kind of how it's said. But then when I went to boarding school, like, I think the first day of orientation in the first group of kids I talked to was like, whoever the hottest girl in the school was. And she said, you should just go by Tofer." And I was like, done. What? And that's it. Yeah. Just like
0: that. A hot girl says Tofer, and you're in.
2: Yeah. I, thought, I was like, yeah, this is cooler. And the irony is no one calls me Tofer; They call me Tofer. <laughs> you, you know, there's no like, um,
0: what does your wife call you?
2: She calls me Christopher.
0: She does? Yeah. She doesn't call you Topher at all?
2: Uh, no. I mean, I guess in public when when it would be weird or whatever. And then my folks call me CJ because my real name is John. So no one's actually ever really called me Christopher except for my wife. How many people
0: have ever said to you, Topher? That's such an original name. How, do you, how did your parents come no, up People that? say that's such a they stupid know, name. You're not do.
2: Indian, you know, or whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> But I I like it because it was like I came up with that. You know what I mean? It was the name I gave myself in boarding school. And then what I well wait a uh, minute, yeah, the girl gave it to you. Let's get yes, to that. yes, yes, that's right. You just uh, it. And uh, I I ran with it, and she was she was right. I think she said, "Ooh, that's cute" or something. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think I should change my name to Owen Rosenbaum or Owen Michael? Since my middle name's Owen, is it too late to change my name? Michael. If you really Owen. want to
2: work? How about? Um, Owen Wilson. Oh,
0: that sounds like a great idea. It's oh, like, yeah. I really love great. it. You do a lot of impressions, it. but... No, nope. I only do one impression. Well, my fr- yep, and I know who it is. Back to the Future. That's all and I do. And you can't really do it because
2: it's a physicality. Yeah, but imagine Michael J. Fox. <laughs> you love it because you're so good at it. Just you like... You guys
0: him. have to see him doing his mannerisms and his jacket. Because like, you were
2: on Halloween once, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I can't do the voice as well as I can do the kind of... You know what it was? He was a sitcom actor doing films. Right. So it was actually a great – I mean, you would agree probably seeing it. It was a great sitcom movie. It's, like, hard to describe. Like, that movie – the reason Eric Stoltz doesn't work in that movie is because he was probably, too like, good. doing a great job. He's too, trying too hard. But everyone, like, Crispin Glover. And, but every, they're they're so heightened. Like, across the board, everyone is so heightened in that movie. You're right. They're you need to out. hire a sitcom guy to, like – and I was realizing when I was doing 70s, I was like, oh, I guess I was kind of, I was such a big fan of Back to the Future. I was like, I guess it's because I was, was i was really liking that sitcom, you know, that like where you load up the joke. Like I got to a point on 70s show after seven years where I really felt like I could kind of get a laugh. I mean, there's so much love for the character and stuff that that's really what it's attributed to. But you can kind of get a laugh by pausing for a long period of time and just building the tension. And I always thought that scene where he's like, Listen, uh, Dad, Dad, like Daddy O, like why would you pause for that long in front of the guy? You know, but he builds in all these kind of ticks that like make it more of a joke just by creating kind of tension. I don't know, whatever. I love it. Do you still audition? Well, uh, this new this Spike Lee movie that I did, I went in and read for Spike because because I'm playing the Grand Master Wizard of the Black Klan. Man. Yeah, but if you if it's something that we're You know, I think they kind of said to Spike Lee, what do you think of Topher for David Duke? And, uh, you know, the answer wasn't gonna be like, perfect. (laughs) You know, like, so uh, it's on you, I think, to go in and- Spike Lee, Jordan Peele, how do you audition
0: for this larger than life, one of the most hated characters, people in, 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 in US history, if not history, David Duke? How do you go in what do you, I mean because I read somewhere where you said it was hard for you to even rehearse by yourself because you d- couldn't say those words the n word I'm guessing is one of them or other words that were just as bad but to me I, I get that like I don't I don't like to hear people hear me rehearse anyway but then to say those words when you've never said them and having to become this guy how hard was that transition I
2: know people who, who I don't believe think they're racist, that want to find a safe place to use those words, jokingly. And I don't know, maybe some of them can get away with it. I am not one of those people. Like, I, those words are off-limits to me. So, yeah, when I first started rehearsing in my office at home, it, I would still kind of swallow the words. And I mean, you know, they Did you, you soundproof a the audience, the uh, office? No. And my daughter had just been born, and my wife was like, hey, man, can you, like, really tone it down in here. Oh, so she could hear you in the other room. <laughs> well, he gives a lot of kind of speeches. So I was like giving these hate speeches basically in the den. But uh, I remember thinking, um, how do these I, – I read Django and Chain and thought, I don't think there's a role in here for me. But how do these actors go? I mean, what's that like for Leonardo DiCaprio on set when someone yells cut and you kind of go like, hey, (laughs) that was crazy, right? Like, just kidding. And I hope you don't think I'm a real racist because these are just the lines that are written. Especially when you're doing that good a job at being a racist. Oh, my God. How do you do that good of a job unless you're a racist? But nobody ever – I don't know the answer to that question even having done the movie. So I went in to to read for Spike and, you know, I have a great deal of respect for – He's done some of the greatest work of our oh, time, yeah. but I, I still say, Hey man, I, I'm sure maybe every actor who's coming in to talk to you says this, but I feel really awkward about what I'm about to say. And he was wonderful in kind of really making me, I mean, genuine, not just saying, Hey man, yeah, don't worry about it. Like he really made me feel comfortable going to that place and then. You know, I just unleashed like the worst like five minutes I've ever said. And uh it's kind of a so it's, it's a weird thing. It's weirder on set. you know, but... you
0: know, it makes me feel like almost like like if you would have told me that as a friend, like, hey, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna say spike, I wanna apologize, I'm gonna be I would have said to for or tof. I'd say don't <laughs> don't do that. And you'd say, Why? And I'd say because then he's going to think he wants somebody who's really powerful, who just can go in there and just fucking do it. And he doesn't want to see people apologize. He wants this guy. No, to I, be, debated it. I debated it. I debated it for a while. Yeah. And that's, that, yeah. but then you said, no, I can't, I got to say this. You went with your gut and it worked.
2: Well, I guess like, I guess the truth is that I felt the script was similar in that the script is, you know, tonally, I was really glad Jordan Peele was producing it. Cause it's, very funny, which is like even more dangerous than how racist some of the characters are. Is that the tone of the film? is am seen not, the mo- in the room. Yeah, I, I've seen it, and, it's, and it. No, really, was we'll he in the room when you auditioned, Jordan? Uh, Jordan wasn't, um, but uh, but I I felt like I un, you know Blumhouse, which did Get Out, of course, um, is doing it, and Universal. And this is so, a big movie. This is going to be
0: a huge movie. I just
2: saw it. at can for the first time. It was like the I mean, oh, I mean, I'm just so lucky to be in it david washington
0: david m washington john John david David john david washington who
2: i get why you don't fully know his name and you after the film you will like he's he crushes my friend
0: carl works with him on ballers oh yeah he's great on ballers great on
2: ballers but like this is his thing like he really just i can't wait and adam driver adam driver's great i mean it sounds like i'm just giving compliments to everyone but there's a lot
0: of great people in it who apparently do a great job because
2: the movie's getting a lot of uh, hype now and truly, it's Spike. Like, Spike – I mean, you just can't do that – I couldn't do that role for a lot of directors, you know, because you just – you wouldn't feel safe. But – uh Do you stay on, in character on set? No. I mean, I, I was I mean, joking around with Spike. Not. What would that Jim Carrey documentary be for me playing David Duke? <laughs> oh, I mean, like, <laughs> it would be, like, so insane.
0: That would be horrible.
2: I, I – uh no, I, I'm not like that as a person. I did have one or two of my first, like, well, I kind of took it home with me, which I've never uh, had before. I don't have a deep process, but, like, I've never had, like, trouble with what we're shooting. But some of it, when I was leading some of this clan rally, I was like, you know, I'm, like, leading these people and shouting these things. I was like, hey, man, I, I really need, like, a uh, just a second to, like, regroup because it's so... Did he allow you that? You had your time? Oh, so. no, he was he's amazing. He kind of said, like, this is... You know, just remember, we're shooting one scene, but the scene is in service of something that, that I'm saying. You know, it's being filtered through me, and it's a part of a whole thing. So today we're doing, like, all just hate speech, but, like, you know, I I got you. Did you, did you do you walk out? Are you hard on yourself? Do you
0: say, God, damn, you're good. Do you ever – can you say that
2: to yourself, or do you go, eh, I don't know? Well, you answer the question first. I want to hear what you say.
0: Um, I can definitely th- – when I'm good, I can go, yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. And then I go, nope, you you fucking were doing your thing. You were kind of just winging it. You were you weren't. You're were just kind of being safe, or you were. Uh, oh god, you look like shit. You you know, there's all these different things that go through my head. But if I'm good, I could honestly in my head go, all right, let's let's get that on the reel.
2: Yeah, I, I guess it's a version of that. I think uh, the first thing is is the movie good. Because nobody wins. I mean, I guess I've been yes. good in a bad movie. A million and, percent. Yeah, Nobody not wins if the movie's not good. If you're great in a bad movie, it doesn't matter. Which we've. I'm sure you and I both. That's all I Here do. Go,
0: no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. That's not true. I've been I, – I, look, I, no, no. But you, I know – yes. That's right? amazing. Yeah,
2: no, uh, it's, 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 that's how every actor feels. Fuck it. That's so true. That's how every actor feels all the time. <laughs> if you're self-centered enough to do the job. Yeah yeah i think the first thing is does the movie work and in this case i was like that's a real question mark because tonally i i honestly don't think there's another film that's really like it they showed me the trailer and i was like oh man i hope we pulled this off like because the trailer is really funny and fun and yeah and certainly i i think a bunch of people like agents i work with were like i didn't know this was gonna be so funny <laughs> like huh but then when i saw it i went like because he gets there man like he really gets there with that film. It's just he uses the humor. Humor is very seductive, as you know. I know every girl you've gone after, you've got all those jokes, Michael. So, like, it's the same thing with this film in a way. It kind of, like, draws you in with humor, but then it's such a... Profound. Devastating ending. I, I, I don't want to give anything away, but it's like... Yeah. Just, he's he's a brilliant director.
0: Uh Do you... This is a stupid question. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Would you rather be amazing in a bad movie or really bad in a great movie (sighs) boys that's tough right
2: tough because if you're bad everybody sees the movie that's great that you're bad in I don't think that question exists because what I'm learning I felt this I had a small part in Interstellar and I really love the film Interstellar that was the I had a kind of a thing a couple years ago where I said to uh, not my agents now but my former agents like I just want to work with auteurs and i was really not in the place to say that but it was a decision i kind of looked at my bank account and was like screw it i'm going to be dead in about 40 <laughs> yeah, years who and cares. what Let's am i doing it. so i really made that statement and i think they were kind of like he's pretentious or whatever you didn't care yeah. what they thought you want to work with great directors i said i think i really stated it like not like go get me great directors it was more like hey i'd rather just not work than do you know what i mean if it's if it's between not working or working with directors that i don't like Really respect, and I don't want to do it. So, the first one I did was this uh, Chris Nolan movie, which you know, I couldn't respect anyone more than him. And being on that set was like incredible. Here was my experience just bear with me because it's kind of a long story, but I, but this is really how I again, we can edit it. (laughs) Please (laughs) just edit the no, I want to hear the story. Of course, I want to hear the story. Is uh, I had just gone to the Kubrick exhibit, Mm -hmm. and there's some crossover between kind of 2001 and yourself. The Kubrick exhibit had. You know, the monolith. By the way, I touched it illegally, but I was just, I want to see oh, if something happens. And I, the typewriter, and it had... I was there. The, I loved it. Okay, the furniture from 2001, that red chair. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. We going to the Pan Am ship. And there was a whole story about, I mean, you saw the level of research you did. It was like... uh you know, Kubrick went and met with the greatest furniture builder and they spent two months saying, what will furniture look like in the year 2001 and if there was space travel and there was Jeez. this gravitational... And so they designed this chair. And I, at the end of it, I went, oh, yeah, that's why that chair stands out. It's not just like, make a future-looking chair. It was like they spent about two months designing the chair, just the chair. Unbelievable. And then when I was on Chris's set, uh, I opened one of the pantries... And there was, like, creamed corn and popcorn. And and, that chair. And the chair was in there. And I said, oh, Mike, and he ripped off a mask, and he was Kubrick. No, he, like, there was was just a lot of corn products, corn puffs and pop, you know, stuff you'd pop in the microwave. And I was kind of like, because that house, they built the whole house that was out by that cornfield. I said, Chris, what's with all the corn? You know, it was like in between takes. And he said, oh, well, I got with a futurist, and we determined— he done a very similar thing that like, because of our reliance on corn syrup now in the future, in the near future, we'll have only corn products. And that doesn't play in the film. That's what blew my mind. I mean, it, it does in the way that the chair seeped into the film, into but 2001. But attention detail. I, it was like, it informed the film in a like, kind of, I don't know. It's it like, it was beyond writing. It's like great auteurs get that deep in. It's how I know I will never direct. They get that deep into This, you know, so when you watch Inception, you know what I mean? Or you watch a Batman movie that he did. Every every little thing has been thought out out that much. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm on this journey with like, I want to work with people like this because it was mind blowing. It was like inspiring kind of just as an actor. And working with Spike was like that. Like he went into it that. And so, so to answer your question in the longest way possible, I don't think you can have a good part in a bad film. Because I think every time, at least I was, you know, I'm working with Soderbergh or Nolan or whoever, they take care of you because they're, they're so into the, they're as into your performance as they are into the, you know, chair. creamed corn or whatever. The right. Chair. Exactly. Yeah. So good
0: way to th- think about it. But I, I have, yeah, I understand that, but I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I agree with you to a point. I mean, it all depends on the director. You could have something that's really bad, right? You can make a bad movie mm-hmm. and someone stands out because they're on their own. I've certainly seen that they're, they're I, on their own. They have no direction. They're going to do what they think in their gut. Or their I still instinct. think
2: it's hard though because if the movie's bad, it's like the director probably dropped the ball. It's such a dictatorship. That's what yeah. I've learned over 20 years in the industry. Is it's it would be a democracy. Trust me, if yeah. the studios could make it a democracy, it's such a dictatorship. Do
0: you do you go into like to work? in a good way?
2: By the way, I mean a yeah. good way. It's a dictatorship.
0: But with Spike Lee, like Christopher Nolan, yeah, uh, Soderbergh. Do you ever like first take get nervous? Do you ever? Hey, I'm giving a speech as David Duke. I'm playing
2: this. Do you Did ever you still? I I like have a thing where my first aunt said, "I think my voice sounds weird to me." <laughs> like you feel like I'm not. Talk, I'm talking a little high. Am I not? <laughs> Someone, yeah. So oh, you do yeah. feel something. Oh come on. There's nerves. What do you do? For <laughs> That's your nerves? the end of the whole podcast. Is, so you do have feelings. Uh, yeah, I. I, I mean, for <laughs> sure. Of course, you have feelings. You're a wonderful father. I'm a just husband. so glad that that over. That that films aren't filmed in order. You know, like that whatever the my least favorite scene is in the film I just did is like buried somewhere in the middle.
0: So you're like, oh it wasn't great, but you know, overall I was Don't really you like, think that's great? Is yeah. that you
2: kind of get used to it and if it was filmed in order, I mean
0: I don't know. I, I think there's part of me that
2: would kind of like to like to go in order. And all you know, well that'd be interesting now as an experiment. I've heard they've done a couple films like that and now I think I could maybe swing it. I still think my first day would be my worst. Do you know Pet Cemetery was filmed in order? Why?
0: I don't know. It's one of my favorite horror movies, <laughs> but it was. It was filmed chronologically. I mean, it was filmed. Yeah, it was that Stephen King movie. I, mean, I don't with know bringing why. Bringing the cat back, you'd think it'd be better to not go. Yeah, in let's order. let's go. Let's. They didn't do that, so you do get nervous. I Just yeah. yeah, but and how do you? You don't let anybody know that. Do you take anything? Do you drink? I just like look a, in the
2: mirror and I go, "You got
0: it, kid." Do you ever do that? Do you you're ever do that? It. Do you do the Tim Roth from uh, Reservoir Dogs? You're so fucking cool. They don't know who they don't know who you are. You're too fucking cool, man. You're fucking. What does he say? No,
2: I do. What is boogie nights? It's like you're a bright, bright shining star. I take out my penis like in boogie nights. <laughs> you play with it yourself. I say you're a bright, bright, bright shining star. <laughs> then I go on said I go. I'm ready to fuck. Do you do? You, do, you, do,
0: you, do, you do do you do anything? What do you do to prepare? Like, what do you? What's going on in for Grace's mind? Michael, how have we ride not
2: worked together? That's what I want to do. A more take. I, I want to work, work with you and figure out. Like, and now you know, I'll answer all your questions on the first day and be like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, <laughs> why are you talking? No, I, I, I don't know. I mean. Do you do those things like this? You fucking got this. You're here for a reason.
0: You're told for grace. No, no, no. You no great God. Parents.
2: My, you have a house to go to in the summer. Great parents. You can
0: live in a bunk bed. You are fucking got this. You're fucking money.
2: No, I... Uh, you no, won a my, karaoke contest in the basement. I won a karaoke contest in 2003. <laughs> God damn it. No, I um, I My thing is... I think I really tear myself up when I go home the first day. I, I'm an acclimator. I've learned that about myself over time. I acclimate to whatever the situation is. Almost every film I'm on, by the end, I'm like, this is really great, regardless of what the beginning was, because I kind of find the that's kind of a little bit of our job, too. Yeah. So Klansman opens when? August 10th. For a film, that's the fastest I've ever had one come out, because we just shot it. But uh, I think there was a feeling on set of, like, we got to get this out
0: now. Did Spike, was he usually, like, one, two, three takes?
2: Or did you do, like, 50 takes? No, no. He was, like two or three takes that's it yeah
0: so was there ever a day where he was like "Ah, you're not getting
2: it same thing with nolan by the way nolan was like maybe maybe one take i mean sometimes come on wait
0: this guy is all about art he's all about the perfect picture he's all about the perfect story the perfect acting he gets the best performances but maybe that's what you're gonna tell me is everybody prepares so much that you're ready to go that it's that's why it's so fast
2: because you don't fuck around or all i can tell you is from my point of view i can't pretend to know i mean chris would keep a he doesn't have monitors that you can walk up to he has a little kind of like a phone something the size of a phone dangling around his uh neck he'll kind of watch it and go like okay moving on and i go you know this is an imax Like, do you want to take another <laughs> you know what i mean like look at that but oh my his God. level of confidence in his crew in his crew in his actors i mean you were You feel like you're being brought through that movie with such a sure hand. Uh, I think, I I mean, I'm just projecting because I don't know why he does it. Uh, I can't speak for him. But I think it's because that momentum of that confidence is so, it just builds as you go and you go, we're just, now what it does for the actor is you are ready to go. Like in a way, I mean this is true on those Clint Eastwood movies. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I you do. I
0: worked with Clint. Did you? And it was and, the same thing. I did yeah, a okay. my first movie was with him. And I remember um, I did this like seven minute scene with like Kevin Spacey and Jack Thompson, and I was being cross examined by all these lawyers and um remember, He doesn't even say action, right? He just said whatever. Like-? It was more like this thing. He goes, Michael, are you ready? Just just give me a nod. And I kinda nod and he goes, Jack. Jax's DP and he gave this that little little uh thing that rolling right. thing with his hand and we just started filming and then like we did one take and he goes
2: How'd it feel? <laughs> I'm just... Me- meaning if you said not good, he would have given you another take. Well,
0: I mean I go, I felt pretty good. How'd you feel? He goes, I felt great. Maybe just on this one, just acknowledge the jury, and I think we got it. And I go, right. what? We <laughs> just did a seven minute scene. Yeah, just acknowledge the jury. I remember him and Spacey got it. Like Spacey was pissing him off. And like Spacey would go. Um, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to walk up. I want you to sit in your seat and then I want you to just look at the judge and just kind of try not to make eye contact. No. So you just want me to sit there. Where do you want me to sit? Clint? And he goes, and it finally got to the point where Clint was like, God damn it. Just sit over. You know, he just like, they, they were kind of not, they didn't, it didn't seem like they got along great. Well,
2: look, I, I remember on my first film on traffic, uh, Soderbergh came from documentary filmmaking and that was the same thing. We did one or two takes tops and I'd never done a film. So like he would, I remember going up to him and saying after the first take, like, was that right? Like, should I have stood there? And he goes, I don't know. (laughs) Just walk away. And what he was saying, I now realize, I mean, I was like 20 and I wanted direction, but what he would have done, I guess, I mean, if you're a documentary filmmaker and he shot it himself, he held the camera, it was all natural light. So, I I'm guessing that his feeling was kind of like, I don't want to get in the way of what these actors might do with any kind of direction because then you can't kind of undo it, you know. So he just puts jump cuts whenever he wants. And I mean, I was like, I remember thinking, it's funny, all of the great directors I've worked with kind of have that in common, which is they just understand casting really well. And then they really just kind of have very quiet momentum. They're just making the movie. I was really impressed. This
0: is a little non sequitur, but I was thinking
2: about. It. I was like, in terms of the acting
0: stuff that you've done, I like to gain twenty four pounds for a role. I, I could, like I'm we're skinny guys. That was you know just when the I worst. For well, well for me when I um when I eat a lot, I'm skinny guy with a gut and a fat little fat face. But that's kind of what happens to me. Even when I work out, it's hard for me to gain weight. I have like you know some back and shoulder stuff, but it's hard to gain a lot of weight. So I. I remember when you were gaining weight, and I was like, "God, he's like as skinny as I am. I bet he's going through fucking hell." Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. how much were you eating? And I would have been throwing up eating so much.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I did throw up. The worst was I finally got on some Spider-Man three, right? Yeah, and then I got sick, and and I and I was like, it was like one of those stomach things where you're just throwing up all the time. And I was like, crying by the toilet bowl, like, "No, I'm just throwing up all these muscles, basically." And for me, you're right. I think I got up to. Like uh, 190. What I was saying is when I was doing that is I was working out twice a day, Ugh. eating. You know, the eating is really the working out. Yeah. And then I got all the way up to Christian Bale level in The Machinist. Like, but I wow. But like, I don't know if you know The Machinist. He, he was like nine pounds in that movie. But like, uh, I, I I I wouldn't do it again because I my body doesn't do it. I was thinking well. The Fighter. You know, the fighter would have been. Oh, no, he was even time.
0: skinnier. No, he was skinnier. maybe he was skinnier than the fighter. Yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, maybe that joke is dated, but that really worked <laughs> in 2006 or whatever.
0: That deadpan humor, you just still got it, boy. You really fooled me on that one. Who do you want to work with? Who else? Oh, gosh. Uh, Spielberg, of course. Yeah,
2: Guillermo del Toro, Damien. Is it Chazelle? I don't really know how to pronounce the last name. Don't the don't Lala, know, really. Land. Yeah, Lala, Lala Land, yeah. Land is like, my favorite film of like the last. Do you want to like, sing and something dance and sing? Would you do something like that? Then you well, do Joseph and sing. the Amazing technical. No, that was like in second grade or something. <laughs> right. I only want to sing if it means that I'm winning a trophy over you. You're such a bitch. That's really what I, I mean. That cap. makes me feel like I, I left here. By the way, never invited back. That's Rob, not true. Rob never we went invited to the back Line for a for concert. No, no, again. for a karaoke thing. For a, oh, never yeah. invited back for a karaoke thing. Because <sighs> you know what? You don't beat the
1: host. Yeah, he still has them every week. And is that true? No, <laughs> no, uh,
0: you've known me for a long time. We don't hang out a lot. Uh, you know, the therapy session is this. Uh, usually I'm, I, I want to say I, I, I like to evaluate based on the interview, based on knowing someone just saying something about my evaluation on you as a oh. therapist. Then you turn around and just give me therapy. It could be quick. It could be a line. It could be whatever you want. But what I get this from is you... be like
2: you're fired. Fuck you. I quit. <laughs> like... <laughs>
0: exactly. No, what I gather is um, I wouldn't change a fucking thing. You're the first guest that I've actually said that to. I feel like you just got it going on. I mean, you, you get nervous. You get hard on yourself like everybody else. But the being hard on yourself makes you who you oh, are wait, and makes you Give me an example great. of
2: what you told other people. Like, what did you tell uh, them?
0: I'd say, you know, you got to give yourself a break. you got to stop working. you got to f- figure out who you are more. You, gotta, you know, there's been a lot of different – no, no. Right, but, right, but, right, but, right. There's just – it's all different for every person.
2: But let me – I'm shaking my head. That's why I was reacting to it. I have so much wrong with me. I'm such a well of – Problems and issues. I, what, I can't what do you have wrong with you?
0: You're a good dad. You, you throw shit. You break
2: dishes every once in a while. You're a good husband. You know. You, I knocked it over by accident. By the way, I wasn't throwing dishes at my child. Okay, so you just defended the one thing I said. Right, so you know what? Yeah, fuck you. I quit. Fuck you. No, I quit. Uh, no, I uh, think That's very nice of you to say. I, you know, uh, you're catching me at a good time, but, right? But I why mean, do you want to be flawed? Like, I wish I could sit there and go,
0: no, you know what? It, look, you are flawed. We're all flawed. We're no one's perfect. We, we get that. I'm saying that you don't have like problems with your mother and father
2: and in this, and you you haven't oh, gone yeah. to prison yeah. and
0: you haven't gotten divorced. You know, my problem and is you this haven't... is going
2: to be the most boring episode of this podcast. It's not ever. true. Yeah, because I, I don't have any issues. Let me think of something. Let me think of something. Oh, think yeah. of something
0: good. Um, you just jumped, jumped into Michael J. Fox inadvertently. You just looked like him for a second. You were kind of like doing. I'm tell haul. you my
2: problem. My problem is, <laughs> Dad, like having a like a it's a prom, okay that's a problem. I'm a wolf, dad.
0: I'm a wolf. <laughs> I wish you could see his mannerisms.
2: Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I am aware that I'm boring, but I will tell you, I only recently have become not embarrassed of that. I would actually say one of my biggest problems when I was younger, probably when I was hanging out with you, is I was, you know, because you want to be more exciting, and, you know, I hadn't met my wife, so you go, am I too boring for another human, basically? But like, I now look back and I go, Oh, I you know like I hope for my kid and you, you know what I mean that they're as boring as I was and that there is, you know, it's respectful. And you're not boring, yeah.
0: it's just like you look back and like hey, my dad was a respectful guy. Like I've done stupid things. I like I do stupid shit. I I you know, I'm a child, but you know, I, I saw a Spielberg documentary and he said, "It's okay to be immature as long as you're responsible." And fuck yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. Because that's who I think I am. I think I'm immature as fuck, but I think I'm very responsible. And I would
2: actually say I would turn around and say to you that would be my diagnosis for you. For sure. But well, exactly what you said, immature, but um, yeah, well, immature in a way that's. I mean, we're sitting in a room with a lot of DVDs and you know a lot Star of Star Wars like, posters. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like you know, you have that drum set. <laughs> like it into Christopher It's cool. It's, it's great. Oh yeah, know. I like this room and I like, you know, the the times I've had with you. And I think they're like uh, irresponsible. Is the wrong word. It's like immature wouldn't be the right word. But they're like uh, fun and spontaneous foolish and spontaneous and. You know, and you're responsible, so it's fine.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm going to read some final questions from some fans, and then uh, I'm going to let you go. Ask him if he thinks he could take Tom Hardy in a Venom fight. Robert, MGM Ninja? MG Ninja? It's kind of a weird question.
2: Uh, Robert, thank you for your question. Um, Obviously, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tom it. Tom Hardy is jacked.
0: And he looks like he's
2: intense. Let me just say, by the way, that I – I was a huge fan of the character of Venom when I was a kid. When Todd McFarlane start brought him into the comic, Big comic books. book fan, yeah, I was a huge fan of it. And I was surprised and a little bit like, "Huh?" When they wanted me to play it. So when I look at it now, I go, "In the movie that's coming out, I go like, that's the guy." I mean, in terms of what I think the guy, how the guy should be played, and who should play it. Fair. You know, this is the last question.
0: Devon James, ask for your best Tommy Chong story.
2: Oh yeah, how does that originate? Oh, because he was on the show. Oh, he was on seventies, yeah. Come on, was he got was he ever high during the show? Are you kidding? Like, I, I think there was he ever not high? Dude, like, I, I used to do
0: a good Tommy Chong Cheech and Chong impression. Let's hear it. Hey man, How am I driving? I hey, we're park, man. All right, that's good. We've heard enough of that. All
2: right, thanks. Um, <laughs> I think, um, uh, yeah, no, uh, Tommy was really cool. Like. I love Did him. Did not disappoint for what you wanted to be. And it was, like, such a perfect—he came in, like, I think the second season of our show, and he was, like, just great. The things I know—by the way, he went to jail and got out and then came back on the show during the run oh. of the show. And, Did he know his lines always? Uh, it was— Challenging. Pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay. It, it was not a, you know— Hey, what was that line, man? Oh, my God. That was, yeah, that was like a deja vu. But, but but it wasn't anything that was, you know, you know, you were those people where it affects the thing. Like, yeah. it didn't affect it. And uh, he, one time, he, I, he made bongs. This is all, like, way more interesting in the early 2000s because it was, like, totally illegal in L.A., whereas now it's, like, you know, legal, basically. But he, he made these glass bongs. And I said, well, how is that legal to make? And he said... Oh, water pipes are legal, but like just marijuana is illegal. I said, oh, okay. And I said, uh, it's beautiful glasswork or something. I don't know. I commented on it. And he came and he made me. I still have it. Oh, and so I would say it's one of my like prized possessions because it's like getting, you know, like a penny from Abraham Lincoln. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to compare like, getting a bong from Tommy Chong. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> a glass handcrafted bong. Yeah. It, it said like to Eric from, uh, leo who's his character's name and uh he was such a wonderful guy the other story is when he had left and gone to prison for a while he uh, uh or forgive me one of the an actress who was um mo gaffney who was on our show who was great had moved into his dressing room and uh her daughter was there or something i might be getting the story kind of wrong but i think her daughter was like Mommy, what is this? And opened her hands, and it was just like, just buds and buds and buds of <laughs> marijuana. Just, oh, my God. <laughs> I guess, uh, the previous tenant uh, was, was Tommy Chong.
0: Well, look, this has been a real treat. We don't get to catch up. You're a busy man. You're your dad. You're a, you're this a
2: husband. This is the most social time. Well, How much time was that? That's it. An hour and 20? Okay, that was the most social. Do you like, do podcasts? Like, shi- no, I'm happy to do them. I'm just saying, I you know, it's rare to do anything with a friend, and then to be able to sit and chill. It was easy, I right? Oh, it was a piece of cake. But also, and it's fun. But I'm also saying this is like, you know, I'm looking after my daughter most of the time. So this is like a nice way to kind nice of get away, but it's kind of work. It's, it's poor work, but, you know.
0: But, you know, it's good. Clansman's out in August. What else you got going on, real quick?
2: Uh, well, I did a movie that I just came off of with Chrissy Metz that'll come out in the spring. What's that called? Uh, it's called Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Very good. And uh, what's your Twitter handle? All that stuff? At Toe for Grace. That's it? Yeah, look me up and uh, shoot me a note. Follow Topher Grace, dude. It's... I'm not really that active on social media.
0: You're not. You're not that active. But look, this is uh, it was really fun. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today.